Welcome back, Alicia Marinelli here, the host of the Living Sport Podcast. Today, we jump into part two of our session with the staff of the Rocket City Trash Pandas, the AA affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels. You will learn about two vital positions in the minor league baseball world. First, from Rob Sternberg, Senior Director, Production and Entertainment, and then Lindsay Nupp, the Vice President, Marketing, Promotions and Entertainment. If you didn't listen to part one, I suggest you go back, listen to that, hear from Lucas and Max so you get the full scope of the Trash Pandas Marketing and Entertainment Department. Have you ever wondered who comes up with all the crazy and fun minor league baseball promotions? For the Trash Pandas, it's these two, and I'll let Lindsay and Rob tell you about what they do and how a typical season differs from a season with no baseball, but still lots of creativity. Typical season, typical game day, uh, we come in in the morning and either have the script from Lindsay, like the actual game day rundown of what's going to happen between innings, before the game, post game, um, and just make sure that we have all those elements in one of our two graphic systems ready to play for that for that uh, that game night. Um, and then so we have like a game day checklist where we'll have typically about 12, 15 or so items where you know, it's just making sure the lineups are in, different stats are in. If we have a game day sponsor, up, up, updating that. Um, uh, if there's a new player coming into town, we go down and make it a common practice, take that guy's headshot, make sure we have it not only for the, the video board purposes, but also our eventual marketing purposes so that if the guy turns into Mike Trout, you know, we could say, oh, well, this guy was here when he was in AA. Um, and it'll help us, you know, from you know, in, the, in that sort of marketing perspective. Um, so much of our game day morning is prepping for that night's game, uh, for all for everything to execute the game day rundown uh, from an audiovisual perspective. Uh, so if it's a theme night, we're going to make sure we have our headshots done to that night's theme. If it's um, like a, if it's Star Wars night, you know, our maybe the opposing team's headshots are like. Star Wars villains, and there's Star Wars, you know, we'll do like a logo treatment uh, that's trash pandas and Star Wars theme. Something to make it feel special that, you know, you are at Star Wars night here at the trash pandas in Toyota Field. Um, so that's kind of what we do in the morning, uh, just making sure that that's all done. Uh, then we have our game day meeting in about mid-morning, and then we'll clean up whatever we might need to based on whatever happened in that meeting. And sometimes it means blowing something up and starting something new, um, or starting something new from scratch in some cases. Uh, and we try to be done by about 5 o'clock on a game day so that we can just exhale and you know, greet the crew when they come in uh, for that night's game, and then make sure that they know what they, what they need to be doing for that night, and then you know, just executing that game. I always say uh, to people coming in, that you can't, you, you know, the work that you do on a game day from nine to five, that's work, but you can't look at what you're doing after five o'clock as work, otherwise the hours will, will add up on you. Um, and so the executing the game is usually the fun part. That's like where the high pressure, but also you're having a good time executing what, what you're needing to do. Um, um, when the team goes on the road, that's when we're building our theme nights in terms of uh, audio vision, you know, in our, from a creative perspective. So that's when we're making our headshots and making sure all that, all the logos are, are done. And, um, and then in the off season and, and kind of when the team's on the road too, is when we're doing our graphic design for 
our outgoing marketing, our billboards, our digital ads, um, all of our marketing that we'll do. So we do just about everything aside from radio. We'll take a graphic, so rather than you know, us posting the same graphic over and over again. So we have these Just Trash t-shirts. I don't know if you've seen them. Mm -hmm. Best sellers. <laughs> uh, but, um, like, we made an initial graphic for it. Or I think we, we initially we took the artwork that the uh, the company that manufactured it. It's like a low-res photo. Yeah. So that was our first, that was the first, like, social marketing post for it. Then we took it, we made it into a graphic. Then it's like, well, we can't just keep beating this graphic up on social media because we didn't even have the shirt. So then, like, how else can we play with this same thing? So, like, Mac made a like a, a GIF. Uh, I say GIF. So that's just like another way that we could market the same same thing, just a different way, so it's not the same thing over and over again. So sometimes we're we're coming up with one graphic and have seven different applications of it, but then we gotta flip that around and. Uh, give you another look at it. As a marketing department, how do you guys each prepare for a home stand, like in each of your roles? Um, <laughs> uh, basically, we're, we're trying to be at least, let's say, one and a half home stands ahead mm -hmm. is like maybe the sweet spot because you don't want to be, if you get too far ahead, you'll, you'll wind up where, oh, this guy's not on the team anymore and we got to shoot something else with somebody else. Or sometimes the we can just get stale, like whatever whatever idea we thought was going to be good didn't work for so many reasons. So you don't want to get you want to get too far you, you want to get far out enough, but also not you want to be flexible in terms of what's upcoming. Um, but we'll start. I'd say media day is a good place to start because mm -hmm. that's where, like Lindsay was saying, we'll we'll get the players to you know participate in some of the video board based promotions that we're doing. Um, and then from there, we'll, we'll cut out there. You know, we take their photos too, different angles of headshots, different poses uh, to create different headshots that we use. So uh, to get back to your question, just in terms of preparing for the homestand, we do it about a homestand and a half in advance, and we do it by having the headshots and the theme nights finished, a homestand and a half in advance. And we'll do the same thing from an on-field standpoint of do we have the outfits for our staff to wear, for the mascots to wear, to have the on-field entertainment promotions for kids to have different um, you know, outfits on? Or do we have masks for everybody if it's an Ninja Turtle night? So how are we tying it in on-field? You can't wait till the day before the day of and say, I'm going to go to Party City and buy some Ninja Turtle costumes because they're not there. So you know, in October, November, actually November 1st is my favorite day of the year to go Halloween shopping after Halloween. It's all discounted and you just get all kinds of costumes for uh, less than half price. And then, so when the team goes on the road, we're doing, uh, that's when we're concentrating on the marketing, so we back that up. Um, but it's, it's the same idea that you don't want to get too far ahead because, oh, you know, we may have been pushing the Friday night. The Friday night is about to sell out, and so now we got to flip it to Saturday. My role, if we were playing games right now, uh, I do all of our outgoing marketing. So anything on the billboards, TV, radio, uh, schedule, um, whatever on tactic, digital tactic, tactics we would do. So geofencing, SEO, SEM, retargeting. Um, we had a full campaign set up um, 
that was based around ticket sales, which is the biggest thing that you want to push during the season. That gets people to your website. That's ultimately, you know, they're seeing upcoming promotions. They're seeing what games you have, and then maybe they're going to the store from that point, and that's, you know, how we're directing people to our website. Um, right now, we're not doing any outgoing marketing. Everything that we're doing is totally in-house with uh, social media platforms and e-blasts and using the um, e uh, any kind of emails that we have. Um, thankfully, thankfully, we have a lot of them, so that's been helpful. But um, again, right now, the, the outgoing marketing from a paid standpoint is not going on. Um, on a game day, I would be writing and planning our game script. So anything from you know pregame performances to between any contests, making sure sponsor reads are happening, um, making sure our staff is wherever they need to go. So if we're doing a slingshot where we need to have three slingshot teams, we need six people here, then we need our uh, racers for our astronaut race for the next half inning in the outfields so and making sure people are where they need to be and they have enough time to get to where they need to be and they have enough time to find the contestants to get um, you know, staged within three outs before they go on the field. Um, and then on a game day, I'm just making sure that all of those things on the field are happening and people are getting where they need to go. They have the tools, they have all the things that they need. Um, and then I write the script for the PA announcer, but Rob kind of handles everything from the audiovisual standpoint on a game day so he can get into that. I order all of our giveaways, so bobbleheads, t-shirts, um, you know, all the little trinkets for things that we would give away throughout the season, um, work with vendors to get pricing, to make sure I get three different prices to, and get um, samples and photos so that, um, you know, we're getting the best price and quality. I work with our sponsorship team to get sponsors put on those items and make sure that they're approved and, and we're all good and covered on all fronts before we make the order. Um, and I oversee our promotions crew, so the on-field um, promo crew, our mascots, our promotions manager who will help, um, he helps plan theme nights and develop theme nights, which we'll all kind of collaboratively do, making sure that you know the giveaway fits the theme, the band might fit the theme, the on-field contest fit the theme, the whatever's going on in the astronaut race fits the theme, we have a food and beverage um, item that maybe is available, something in the store might be on sale, and then again, Rob will creatively make sure that things on the video board and the music and all of that fits as well. Um, so a lot of just entertainment and putting together a promo schedule and making sure that we have the fireworks and everything kind of is going off as according to plan and timing, um, kind of working backwards from the pregame to make sure that we do start the game on time if we have dance performances happening or martial arts performances or soccer teams doing something. Um, and then anything I guess now is shifted towards events and coming up with new events um, how can we get people interested in the events how, how do we want to market it what do we want to do while we're you know doing a block party we did our first block party it was great we just had general trivia and music did another block party and it was it was okay you know we changed some things around how can we make it better did another one and we made it Star Wars themed. So we did some things that we would have done on a game day and brought that to an event where we did Jedi training on the field for the kids, gave them a lightsaber, had um, you know, a Jedi out there doing the training and had them you know, doing some fun things and then showed fireworks and it was Star Wars you know, music to the fireworks and kind of themed it out that way. Um, you know, right now we're just we're talking about, even within the last two days, we took um, an event that was greatly successful doing an on-field jersey experience where fans could buy a jersey, they got it personalized, 
they went down to the clubhouse, it's hanging in the clubhouse, they walk out on the field, their name gets introduced or announced and their name's on the video board and they take batting practice and that was great, great time, sold out, oh, it was a wonderful weekend. We did it again, um, selling our jerseys that the players would have wore during the season since the season was canceled. We're like, how can we make more money and do an experience like that? They're not gonna be personalized, but they would have been with the team more. So that was cool. And then two days ago, uh, Madison Kendrick, our community relations manager said, I have all these Sprocket Kids Club t-shirts. What are we gonna do with these? I ordered 600 of them. We only sold 150. Can we do an experience for kids? And instead of the jersey, it's the t-shirt. Um, we gave them the drawstring bag, the baseball, give them a voucher for food, um, bring them down to the clubhouse, let them take batting practice and do it for youth. So we got in a room, came up with a price, said this is a great idea. And within two days, um, Rob's got graphics, he's got the logo, he's got the information, we've got a way to sell it online. Lucas put it on sale when we were sitting in here an hour ago and we've already sold our first one. So that there's things that just happen really quickly, whereas for the season we're planning things months and months in advance. Right now we're in a situation where we're, what can we come up with? How can we fill a weekend? There's an empty Saturday coming up. What can we make work in this amount of time? And that was something that came up and we're like, great idea, let's do it. Um, and a lot of the events that we're trying to plan now, everyone has these great ideas, right? Ideas are wonderful, but you have to break it down of, all right, how is this gonna be successful? How much money are we gonna put into making the event happen? So here's all our expenses right up front. How many tickets do we even need to sell to break even? And how many are we gonna to need to sell to make $5,000? Um, so some of the events that, ideas that people have had have been wonderful, but the expense that goes into it really is not worth the risk of not selling the amount of tickets to even break even for the event. Um, so that's kind of what I'm working through and kind of doing on a daily basis now, and obviously work very closely with these three on all of the things that, that we're doing from an event standpoint, a marketing standpoint, social media standpoint, um, and would be working very closely with on a game day. So how about let's take an idea or a bobblehead or something and tell them about the process that like it goes from idea to you Lindsay ordering or designing and etc. So in designing a bobblehead we come up with the idea and then you obviously that I'm working with a vendor but a vendor is working with someone in China and so you need to relay the information as if you're speaking to someone that doesn't speak your language. So I do, I'll find, here's the player we want, but if we want them in a certain pose, I'll say, Rob, get in the pose that we want them. Take the picture and label it pose. This is the way I want the body to look, but then you take a picture of the uniform and say, this is the uniform I want this pose to be wearing. Then you need a headshot, and this is how I want the face to look. And then you gotta show like front, back, so you try to find the uniform front and back, and then you have to tell them what you want on the base. Um, and then you send all your photos and your order, and there it goes, and then it comes back with a mold. And it's not painted, it's just a mold, and you have to look at the mold and say, all right, well, this is actually a right-handed batter, not a left-handed batter, and the hands are whichever way, and look at every little detail and you're say, flat. yeah, is it, yeah, are they facing the right way, or are they not, or their hands, or whatever. Is everything spelled right? Because a lot of times they'll invert you know, four letters on there and because once you approve the mold, then they paint it. And at that point you can't go back, well you can, but it costs more money to go back and rechange the mold. So once the painting happens, then you can just change colors um, and give them different PMS colors. But even when you do give them a, a color specific, it still may not be exactly what you want. But 
try to get it as close as you can to what you want. And while that's happening, you still have time to get a sponsor. So all they need to do is have a room for a plate for the sponsor at the bottom. Then a sponsor comes on board and you put the logo on it. Then the sponsor, we ask if they approve it. Once they approve it and we approve the look, then you say good to go. And then they start making them. And then a month, two months later, all of them are finished and you see them all in a line. The box art doesn't take much to, to produce that. So we'll have Rob will create the box. What that looks like, send that off. They do the boxes. Then once they're shipped, it's a month overseas to get them here. And then hopefully they're in the right box. You hope that they're in the right <laughs> box. And you have to order them by a certain date, right? By Christmas, yeah. Because if you want them here in April, because China shuts down for a month for Chinese New Year in February. So if you don't have your order in and ready to go before that, while they get back, then you're way behind anything that's happening to get delivered by April. So I start usually the bobblehead process in September, and it's August. And those will go into promotion and graphics that he makes. And they'll make motion graphics, and then they give that stuff to me. That's so why we promote this. And then once it gets here and it's early, I say, Lucas, I got this, and he can then take pictures of it, do it fun ways, and then he promotes the night by showing natural bobbleheads here. Depends if the player's here or not, we may present them with their bobblehead on the field. Um, maybe their headshot is it's bobbling that night, or the fan cam is the bobblehead cam and it's that player. But for the most part, a bobblehead sells itself and it's not really mm -hmm. a theme. It's just that's what got people to the game that night. Something that would be themed out would maybe be a t-shirt, like Mac designed, we had, we're doing Ninja Turtle night, and he did a pretty cool, like, our Trash Panda logo, but had the Ninja Turtle colors and like the you know band around mm -hmm. the eyes. And so that would be the giveaway that night. But then I'm sure Rob would have had different headshots and graphics and we would have done things on field where we would have got little kid costumes and done Ninja Turtle race or had um, some sort of pregame martial arts session. Um, pizza would be a featured food item of the game. And maybe there's a some kind of drink that, that we would do or um, yeah, we would maybe do something with a player like when players get here on media day, we try to know what theme nights we're gonna have and really get as much as we can out of them in leading up to that theme night. So we might have pulled a player aside saying, all right, in 15 seconds, name as many Ninja Turtle characters as you can. And we get them doing it. And then we ask a fan to do it live on a game night and then see if they, then we'll play back the video of the player doing it, see if they beat the player and try to interact and do some fun things that way. How about your numbers? Somebody mentioned X amount of people you give it away. How does your, what was your plan of the number of giveaways you're giving at the gate compared to in AAA and the I Valley? I wasn't part of the initial number, but once I realized that these gates here, the VIP gates open 30 minutes ahead of time, our number was 2,000 adults, 1,500 kids. Well, 2,000 adults in a half hour earlier gate opening time could really mess with your numbers that you don't have any left over for the front gate so we upped it to 2500 adult items just to give us that extra 500 that hopefully gets something out to the main gates if it's a real popular giveaway and people get here waiting in line for a half hour before the actual gates open they could easily be gone um, but youth giveaways i mean 1500 is pretty standard i think around minor league baseball at this level and what we expected to have from an attendance standpoint you don't want to have a ton of leftover giveaways. Um, you know, running out is okay, and if it's close to game time and you run out, that's that's great for a kids giveaway. Um, adult giveaways, I anticipate that within 
30 minutes of regular gates being open, at least 45, like most of our giveaways in the first year will be gone. Um, so by game time to have a giveaway left over means it's not that popular or there's not that many people here. What has been one of your favorite promotions that you've done so far in your career? In my career? The Harry Callis talking bobblehead, I think, and the tribute to Harry Callis after he passed away. Like it said two different calls and we had it in the can that said, um, I'm Harry Callis and I'm hog wild about Iron Pigs baseball. And then he had, it's a long fly ball, like one of his famous calls. And they got it recorded in the bobblehead of him. His family came out that day. We had his uniform in the dugout. Um, that people got pictures in front of, and um, it was like a huge tribute to him. We did a pregame video, seventh inning stretch was him singing, um, or that no high hopes was at the end of the game, I think, whatever it was, but that was a pretty cool one. So he recorded the Iron Pigs one, was it um, your opening game? Yeah, it was the very first game that we ever did, and John and Matt, our two broadcasters, had it recorded and kept it, um, because he was in the broadcast booth when we had our exhibition game against the Phillies. Um, so I just want to say thank you for having us and like, you know, taking time out of your work day to answer our questions. Um, I guess this is more of a personal question for you. Uh, you know, Alicia has talked so highly of you and we've learned through your podcast and with her as well that you've, um, like been awarded for your success and you've achieved so much throughout your career. What has been one of your biggest challenges throughout your career? Coming up or, with new ideas. I mean, and getting the right staff. So... I can't come up with great ideas without Rob and without Lucas. Like, so having the right people working with you is how you do it. Matthew, too. What is something that you're most proud of that you've done like throughout your entire career? Um, I think giving the opportunity for a kid from Japan to become a full-time yeah, employee awesome. who never spoke English. And I had to take on him as my full-time intern and that was it. Like my GM said, if he's your intern, he's your intern. You're not getting someone else. So he needs to be the one that's booking anthem singers, booking bands, helping you with contests. And he was the best thing that ever happened to our front office. Uh, awesome. And then he came on board with us for two full-time years. And I think that was the best energy that our office ever had. He would do anything. His first job when he came to work for us was to sit in every seat and take notes if anything was broken and he sat in every seat. Like whatever job he was doing, he was doing it to the best of his ability and down to the T. Um, he would notice and watch what I was doing and he would the next day do that, whatever he could do to take the work off of me just by watching and analyzing and figuring out like, I think we could do it better this way, Lindsay, if you just, I can do this and you do this. And um, he was just an entertainment person's dream because he would get in any costume, he would, Know, light up the room for people. I mean, Alicia worked side by side with him for the first year he was here, and he's night and day what he was, what he is now from when he first started. Lindsay there. used to have to. She took she took this risk, right? Um, she had to proofread every email, mm -hmm. um, but loved him at the same time, right? Because of his work ethic, um, that was something she was willing to do for him and he came on another year, right? Intern and, and then- Intern and two full-time years. And yeah. I think so I then she worked her butt off to get his paperwork signed yeah, to make him- Yeah, we him a visa and everything. Yeah, so because he was that good. If he was just mediocre, 
you may have said it's not worth my time. I would right? definitely say it's not worth my time. So you said yesterday that you've had some sales experience in your past. How has that helped you for the role you're in now? I mean, sales is everything when you're starting off in, in minor league baseball or any sports team. I think you heard Josh say it yesterday that that's what's keeping him employed right now, so to speak. But just, um, I mean, he's got other great talents as well. But um, if you can sell, you're paying for your own salary. And if you can sell well, you're bringing a lot of revenue to the team. And that's what every team is looking for, revenue. And being a good salesperson is not just making the sale, but it's creating the relationships with those um, clients that make them want to feel like they are part of it and they want to come back and they, they can't even imagine not being part of it and having their element or XYZ that they sponsor and that's just like the, the most proud thing that they do and when they're there seeing it on the board or seeing the between inning con contest or seeing their logo in the outfield just makes them so proud to be part of it. So. Um, if you can't, if you can sell, you're definitely an asset right off the bat, and that was what I was hired to do my first year. And I didn't know much about sales, but I knew that I wasn't going to fail. And I made as many calls as I need to, and stayed late, and took on doing call centers, and called every mini plan holder that we had, trying to sell them mini plan tickets after hours from six to nine o'clock at night when they're home, and it was. Have you guys only been using social media to promote your events going on here? So our radio partners and media partners have been very generous to, like, we'll give them tickets and they'll promote it the week of and give some, do some ticket giveaways, um, whereas traditionally we're spending tons of money with them and they recognize the situation we're in and they want to be good partners with us. And it's something good for them, too. Like, there's not many people giving away tickets to things, so it's nice for them to be able to do that. So helped a little bit we'll do a little bit of paid social media as well but yeah that's like the basis of our <laughs> external marketing right now that's yeah. what we're doing. so you'll hear people all the time i didn't even know you were open i didn't know there were events because if you're not following us in some way or asking to be on our newsletter or a partner of ours you probably aren't hearing do you guys not go like go out and promote because of because of corona or uh, well we've done some like going out and giving out flyers mm -hmm. but our staff is so spread so thin right now as it is when we're having events we're all we're working concessions we're working press box we're working in the grounds crew and the merchandise store and the front desk and scanning tickets and temperatures and so we don't have the capacity to go do that and normally we would have an advertising budget but with not making the money and having these startup costs we're not we don't have the money to spend so you got to find creative ways to do it like we made like they'll make flyers and we had kids camps um, with whatever five to twelve year olds and we send them home with flyers apparently you got to find different avenues to when people are here for an event they don't leave without an upcoming events flyer um, do you guys have like a specific mentor that you think of that really has like helped you throughout your careers and like a piece of like uh, inspiration or like a quote that like helps you like keep going like with COVID or any bump in the road in your careers? When I think of someone who's helped me in my career, I think of John Schaefer, who was the vice president of, he was our media person, broadcaster. Um, pretty much did it all in Lehigh Valley and was just a good friend of mine. Um, and 
and we both got promoted at the same time. We were both vice presidents and kind of had a lot of ideas that we bounced back and forth off of each other and we were constantly trying to come up with new things and new ways and how to be nationally recognized. So, and he's someone today that I could call and just throw things at him and see you know, what he would think. But I don't really have someone who was like, took me under their wing. What you kind of think of as a mentor, I didn't really, through my career, have just more of a really close friendship and like respect for a few folks that I work with um, that I probably could tell them anything or ask them anything and it'd be very candid answers. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Our goal at Living Sport is to help all young professionals succeed in the sport industry, especially through the Living Sport International Sport Business Program. This program provides students with an opportunity to experience the world through sport. If you're interested to learn more, go to livingsport.com. Have a great day, guys.